world. Hello, my name is John Barley from Right Track New Zealand Limited. You've heard episode one, which was launched last week. In episode one, we looked at the soul of the business and what it is for the new norm. We looked at vulnerability and being authentic. The need to respect others and understanding entrepreneurial spirit. For episode two, we continue to look at entrepreneurial spirit and how it impacts on the management of culture change within a business. What happens, though, when there is a need to join three separate cultures into one? What management topics need to be considered? Listen for the five C's. Where does empathy come into this? How does a period of time, such as COVID-19, impact on our ability to be empathetic to the needs of others? Does pivoting apply to the values of a business? Will the pivoting create greater resilience of a business if we focus on and understand the values of that business? Does the soul of the business embody the values of the business? The ability to transform the journey of change into a story that will impact the feelings and behavior and thoughts of the people within the business. The necessity of empathy and vulnerability. What do stories have to do? What impact does the leadership styles have upon the ability to tell a story? The future. The need to be more human-centric. There is a shift to a heart-centered business, a business with a soul, leadership with care and compassion. So we hope that you enjoy episode two as we discover how to change business culture and the impact on the values within business. So let's carry on with our conversation with Simone. You know, when you mentioned, you know, that word entrepreneur, and then you said theatricalpreneur, it was actually answering a question that I had in my mind, because I thought entrepreneur sounds sort of theatrical. It's, well, yes, yeah. It's know. about leading, you know, if you look at the um, uh, entomology, entomology, is that the word? Uh, <laughs> of the word, um, it comes from enterprise and um, you know like starting up so it's as a in theater like every project is a journey of entrepreneurship because you've never you've never created that before like when i directed phantom of the opera a couple of years ago like i had never directed that before sure there were versions of it out there but i wasn't working with that cast of characters i was working with the people in front of me so my creation of it was going to be very different to anything else that had been created. So it was, it's a brand new process, an entrepreneurial journey of, you know, going from zero to hopefully turning a profit at the end of it and learning what you need to learn along the way with the tools that you have in front of you, including the talent. So, so yeah, absolutely. 
tell us about your experience in HR, Simone. How how did you sort of go turn? Did you manage to turn the company around with your skills and abilities? Well, it was my role within the company was to actually help support the culture. So it was um, the the organisation that I worked within was uh, an organisation that were three different organizations came together. So you had three different, very large companies that came together for a landmark project. So you had three different kinds of culture. Um, so we were talking about a construction project. So they, they came from three different organizations who all had their own points of view about what the culture needed to look like. And my role was to actually help support the building of a new culture that was a blend and a new way of working together for this particular landmark project for, for three years or five, I think the whole project went for five years. So what I had to do was to actually help people to, to was to help, um, work with like the, the HR manager to actually create the culture from scratch. What, was it, what did it look like? And how were we going to get people to have buy-in for this new venture? Because everybody was coming with their baggage. Everybody had their point of view about, well, this is how we did it in my parent company, but I'm working in this company now, and so things have changed. So what we had to do was to find the common ground. And so we did that by creating essentially the soul and the soul was connected to the values. So essentially the soul of that, that new venture was created through their five values. And the values were things like care, um, uh, I remember them all, they all started with C, so it did actually help. Care, clarity, creativity, communication, and can't remember the fifth one, but they were all about, well, how do we communicate with each other? How do we care about each other? How do we ensure that we have clarity about the vision? Um, how are we being creative to build this culture, move this culture forward? So my role was to help people to get buy-in and the way that um, I was responsible for all the events that they ran in-house. So I would do things like uh, brain training, we would have fun and I would create breakfast events and people, I, I literally made people breakfast and I would put breakfast on and I would make breakfast for everyone and I'd say, if you come to this brain training where we learn about the brain and we learn about how we can be more impactful and how we can be more creative and innovative through using our brain more, then I'm going to give you breakfast as well. So, of course, everyone loves foods. <laughs> and a bit of learning and a bit of food and it was a great success people really enjoyed it and they came because there was a reward you know the breakfast and so we were able to kind of build uh, more communication and more connect connection that was the other one connection with each other through those those kinds of events so that was my responsibility was to create events that would build on the culture that they were looking to create um, as a, from the three parent companies into one company. And I did that for about three years, yeah. And was it successful? 
Yes, it was. The companies ultimately, like, it was a huge landmark project that involved Queensland Rail and a couple of other companies um, building rail wine, like out to Richlands and out north. And so, yes, it was a, a very successful uh, coming together. And then when it all finished, everyone essentially disbanded and went their own ways back to their parent companies again. It's pretty cool. So, <clears throat> um, empathy. Uh, so, my, what what can you tell us about empathy? And is it is it a um, do you think empathy is, should be valued within business? Well, yes. Answer that. <laughs> That's a really easy answer. I believe it is something that needs to be supported and should be valued. Um, the way. The, it's such a broad question, you know, <laughs> what is empathy? Is it useful? Um, what we're finding, particularly in the circumstances we are in now, is that we are possibly almost in uh, empathy overload because there are so many challenging situations for people everywhere. You know, particularly um, here in Australia, we had the bushfires over the, you know, the summer break, and then we've moved, like with almost no respite, we've moved immediately into the pandemic situation. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of call on our compassion and our empathy at the moment. And so, you know, I think we're in a little in danger of having empathic overload almost. But in terms of like a, a corporation or organisation, um, empathy is part of emotional intelligence. It's actually something that uh, particularly, you know, if you're looking at it from uh, a HR perspective or from an organisational perspective, it's something that needs to be valued in terms of how it can be utilised within emotional intelligence. So it's a factor within emotional intelligence. And it's something that I actually work with organisations and train people in one of my communication programmes. And we talk about like uh, what it means to be empathic and is it something that you can teach people or can you at least give them some insight in how they can develop it? so that we can in, um, be more empathic individuals and support each other better. And of course, in many forward-thinking organisations or future active organisations, empathy and being, uh, having empathic behaviour as something that is valued, I think is a way that organisations can demonstrate that they are more forward-thinking because it certainly is something that it needs to be built into the culture of organisations, I think. Um, and so when it's built in, it starts to be valued as, you know, it's, I suppose, considered a soft skill, which is actually really, really difficult to do because empathy requires us to stand in someone else's shoes, to actually look at the world through their eyes and to actually see, well, what they might be struggling with and recognise that we're not all playing from the same it's not an equal playing field, even though through this pandemic, it's, you know, we're hearing everywhere, we're all in this together, you know. It's, well, that's not true. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not true. We are all experiencing COVID-19 in uniquely individual ways. We are experiencing a global pandemic in uniquely individual ways. That's the togetherness part but we're experiencing it very, very differently. And, you know, 
from where I am, my experience of is very different to what people in America are going through, you know, from my, my position of having my healthcare taken care of, you know, my experience of it is very different to a refugee. So I cannot say, um, and I cannot um, contribute to that conversation of we're all in this together because we're not on a equal playing field here. And this is where empathy is so vital for us. We need to recognize that some people are struggling so much more than I am struggling, you know, like my struggle is very different to someone who's been through the bushfires in Australia and still don't have a house or um, are living in a trailer or a tent or a caravan and have nothing. So I think, you know, this is where our empathy is being called on and this is where as individuals and in organisations, we can help people to, uh, to value that and to see the value of that within the culture of the organisation. That was a really big answer to that question. No, well, I mean, I think it deserves a big answer because it's a question that I think a lot of business owners are struggling with because, mm. again, we're now using the word empathy like we're using authentic and we're using the word pivot. And but we're not actually we're using the word but we're not actually able to understand how it applies uh to our own specific values but also how it applies to the values within a business uh, mm. to give you an example uh one of my associates in australia in um in america he actually puts down that safety is not a priority safety is a value it's a cultural value and mm -hmm. so it would be kind of interesting to go back to brian and say okay brian where do you see empathy is empathy a value well of course it's got to be when he says that safety is a value because you've got empathy and safety there they're so connected to one another because you're caring for the guy next door. You're caring yeah. for yourself. So um, and it's kind of interesting that you also talked about um, the necessity of having uh, an understanding of the value of a culture within a business. Mm. Because do you think that a business can be more resilient if it has that strong understanding of its values what are what are its values and if they have that will it actually make them more resilient oh i agree i think that that if you understand what's at the core of the business like what drives it the mission like i said the the soul of the business which is connected to your values like what what's important for the business. So like I mentioned, that organization I worked with, those five core values of care, um, care, creativity, connection, communication. Now I've lost the other one, <laughs> clarity. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when when you're really, when you understand that, see to me, it's not about just understanding what the values are. That's, that's easy, like you say, well, we can just rattle them off. If, Hopefully you remember them. Yeah. So you might, you might know what they are, but it's the 
applied knowledge of that. It's about embodying those values. It's not actually about just being able to say them. It's about embodying the values. And when you do that, so if you embody empathy, if you, if you care about the person next to you, that will help drive the culture of safety. If you care about your connection with other people, that will drive that, connect, that, that connection will help drive the culture of safety. So if safety is important, uh, an important value, like when you break it down, if it's an important element of the culture of an organization, um, like caring for the other for other people outside of yourself, like so having an outward point of view rather than an inward point of view. If you care about that, then obviously you are going to embody those elements of connection and clarity and creativity. You're going to embody the values. So that's the difference. It's, it's all very well to know what they are. You need to embody them in order for them to actually have value in an organisation rather than just be paid lip service to. Your, <coughs> I'm just going to swing it around a little bit. One of the things that you, or one of the topics that you talk about is the necessity to be able to tell a story within a business. Mm. <coughs> the, um, to, to get a message across. Um, and many business owners, we've been in this world of having hard data. Mm. And now we're having to move into this world of soft data, this world of empathy. So to tell a story which actually impacts people's beliefs and feelings means then that they've also got to become vulnerable they've got to show that they too are human mm -hmm. um, what would be your guidance to a business owner in being able to uh, break the bonds of staying in that hard data world and start moving to towards this world of softness and empathy and and coming to terms with values and also creating a story that's going to have impact on the people that follow him where they believe in his vision and his mission and his passion and say this is a guy that we want to follow this is a leader what would be your guidance to those to those people okay so what you have to understand is that using a story is you you don't articulate a story just for a story's sake. So your story needs to be intentional. It needs to have purpose. And you, so otherwise it just becomes a yarn. It's an anecdote. It's something that you, you know, you, you chat about over a cup of coffee. It doesn't have any meaning. Stories should be used to create meaning. Stories are a conduit for change. So as a business owner, if you're wanting to create change, in an organization if you want people to adapt a culture of safety or a culture of empathy or care or whatever it might be the story that you use needs to be able to demonstrate that it needs to create meaning that connects to that that end goal so that's why you know when i train organizations in storytelling it's about purposeful storytelling your story needs to be the conduit where you connect 
your your goal through their mind so that they see it they go oh i can see why you're sharing that so it's got to connect with something in their hearts otherwise it's just a great yarn you know it doesn't serve any purpose it takes some time but it doesn't have a deeper purpose and so if you want to create change in an organization one of the best ways that you can do that is to use a personal story or it might be a client story it could be something but something that you are connected to uh, you know, it's something that is personal to you and shows you with a bit more of a vulnerable face on it, a bit more, you know, a little more of that authenticity, peeling away some of those layers. So, you know, you might talk about for a startup, you might talk about your vision, like why you had this dream to build this particular company what what is it that you see this company doing for the world what's the bigger picture and you do that through your by sharing your personal dream or your personal story but linking it to well what's in it for the audience like why should they listen there's many like i could we could talk for another hour purely on storytelling but the the core of it is that we use stories as a conduit for change so whatever it is that you want to change in your audience, um, you want to change their mind, you want to change their attitude to something, do you want them to reflect and think, wow, I've never really thought about that. What I do every single day has an impact on the safety of this, my fellow worker. I've never thought that what I do every single day, the decisions I make or the, my attention uh, to what I do at work, will have an impact on someone else. So that might be about helping people to reflect a little bit more about how empathic they're being. Are they being compassionate? Are they, you know, caring for their fellow worker, to use the example of the safety. So using stories as a conduit for change and a conduit to create meaning for your audience and that audience can be your fellow workers, it could be a broader audience, whatever your audience looks like, it'll be one person. But you, you need to be purposeful with the story to make sure that the, or your, the person who's receiving that story can actually see the, like, what is the aha that you want them to have as a result of sharing that story. So it's a conduit for change. And so that's why we need to make sure that we use them with great purpose and intention. Um. And that opens up a whole whole range of other questions um, that pop up in my head. I think we're going to have to do this podcast as part one and part two. <laughs> I just so because I just want to focus at the moment about leadership, okay? Um, because there are uh, somebody told me that you can break down um, two types leadership into um technicians and then there was a then this lady also said that there was another uh group of leaders as well but you cannot have um there are some people that are great being technicians but they should never own a business mm -hmm. and similarly a technician is possibly not the best person to tell a story because that's not where their mind is at. Mm. So for somebody who is a great technician and has got a great, uh, great idea, 
should they be trained to tell a story that's going to motivate people and change, create change management within their organization? Or should they get somebody else in to do that job to change the business? So uh, there's a couple of things here. Uh, so a technician, and this is what you're talking about essentially is the core of the book, The E-Myth, um, where we talk about you know, leaders of different kinds. So the technician is the one who's very hands-on, really understands the processes. And I think, in fact, I use an example of um, a baker who just made the best meat pies and was brilliant at making meat pies, but terrible at running the business. So really good at the hands-on stuff. So if we're looking at a technician, they're very practical, they're very pragmatic, very hands-on. They tell a story in a different way. So their story model, if you like, would be different to someone who has a more of an overview. Um, and I don't think that they necessarily need to defer to someone else to tell the story. They can learn to tell a story. They will just do it in a different way. So their storytelling will come from a more practical, pragmatic perspective. They might tell the story of, of how I'm going to use the um, example of the baker and making the big pie. So they could tell a story through demonstration. So there are many different ways to tell a story. There's not one model that fits everyone or everyone's style of leadership either. So you would just need to find like what is your particular skill set. So if you're really great with your hands, your story might be done through a demonstration. Whereas someone who's much more comfortable with communication might tell it through um, the language that they use. So you would have, you know, and that way it speaks to the different um, learning styles. You have your, your auditory, you have your um, visual, your kinesthetic. So your technician would probably be more likely to be a kinesthetic storyteller. So they would use, they might have a, a, a like if they're talking about a widget, they'd have the widget in their hand and talk about the creation of the widget. That would be the way that they would get buy-in, say they wanted an investor. And so then what you could do, you could then get the technician to tell part of the story, the practical, pragmatic, kinesthetic version, and then hand over to someone who actually will add more about maybe more of the logical, the data, the profit, the sales, whatever it might be. So you could have different people share different elements of the story for, the, for a complete presentation. So there's many different ways that you could approach that. It would depend on the makeup of the organization and the kind of story you wanted to tell. From your reading the newspapers, listening to the media, um, do you think businesses are on the right track in regards to their future or do you or what what is it going to take for businesses to get on the right track uh knowing what you know about the necessity of being authentic and being able to tell stories and being able to develop and create a culture and being truly entrepreneurial what do you think it's going to take for businesses to get on the right track for their success Okay, so uh, it's such a big question, isn't it? Um, so I, I can't say yes or no whether businesses are on the right track. I, I don't have a crystal ball. So I can't say. <laughs> it's a very general question. 
What I am aware of, and it's, yes, from my reading, I try to not watch as much news as, as little news as possible, <laughs> if I can. But yeah. what I'm aware of um, in terms of leadership, and let's, I, I'd like to refer to this in terms of leaders um, of businesses being on the right track. I think what we're seeing, and the new paradigm for businesses, is that we, all of us, as leaders of any kind of business, need to become more human-centric. And I think that's what, if anything, the pandemic has started to show us, is how much more we are moving into a place where we care about our fellow human beings. And I think leaders of businesses are shifting now to recognise that a human-centric business, a heart-centred business, or to use the words that we used right at the beginning, a soul-centered business, a business that really does embody uh, the, the heart of the business through their values and through you know, things like being uh, recognizing that vulnerability is a, is a superpower rather than a weakness and recognizing that things like empathy and care for other people are vital to growth in businesses. These are the things that I think future, to be future active businesses, this is what leaders need to embrace, is to become the heart and soul of the business, to become human-centric rather than data-centric and profit-centric. To Would it be right in saying having an ethos of hospitality within their business? Well, to me, hospitality is a very defined... Um, it's not really an area that I work in, in terms of, um, I, I know what your broader sense is of like being hospitable, but I think it's, it's a, there's a lot more to it than that. It's, okay. um, it's, it, to me, it goes much deeper. It's about being compassionate leaders. It's about uh, being leaders that actually care as much for everyone else in the business as they do about where the business is going. It's about recognizing the significance of the impact we have in, in businesses. I think it goes way beyond the, uh, the concept of hospitality. Awesome. Simone, if there are, and I hope there will be, and no doubt there will be, business owners who want to have you come and talk to them uh, in New Zealand or um, now on Zoom or conferencing yes. call. Yeah. Um, is that, that's all doable, isn't it? So how do they get? Absolutely. So they can get hold of me. Um, uh, email is one of the simplest ways. Uh, if it's, you know, across the Tasman. Um, so they can contact me via Simone at simonedehouse.com. That's my, my business email or they can phone uh, 61412674535. And of course, they can reach out to me through my website, which is very simply simondehouse.com. They can get me through that. And of course, yes, presentations these days, I've had a number of presentations that have shifted to become online and done through Zoom. And of course, there's many different ways that you can do a talk with a company through a, a virtual presentation or virtual courses or masterminds and many different ways of presenting information, much like we've done today, you know, having, and I love conversations. So for me, 
things like Zoom are really valuable where you can actually open up the floor to have conversation with people because that way you get a deeper dive into what's really going on for people at their core, at their soul. Cool. And so if they were to, they're going to phone up those numbers and emails, etc., and you would find out what they want and what their purpose is and you get to understand what their business is all about. Mm. What else do you want from them to be able to create and deliver a package for them? What, what would be one of the principal things that you'd look for? Well, I think, and particularly in the current times, it's like, well, what kind of change are you looking for? Like, where are you now? And what, if, what have you noticed is missing? And for many people, um, particularly with the organisations I've been working with uh, here in Australia, it's about like, we don't, we're, we're terrible at communicating. Like we have so many silos and we're not communicating well and we're not, we don't understand each other's uh, like what they do. So, you know, being able to create clearer and more uh, compassionate lines of communication where people really do care about each other. So some of the things that, you know, people might be looking for is that like, we want to change, we want to create a change in the culture. We need to know how to better work with each other. So that comes under my, the, the work I do around communication, voice of a leader, that kind of thing. So generally what I would start a conversation with is like, well, what's not working? What's not working for you at the moment? What would you like to see different? And for some people, it could be like, nobody knows what we do. So we need someone to teach us how to be better storytellers. So it could be something as simple as that. So like, how we're all really, we're, we don't like being on camera. Can you teach us how to be more comfortable with being on camera? Like, I hate just looking down the lens, you know, like there's an art to that and to engaging with people. So how can we do that better? And let's face it, virtual presentations are here to stay. I think even way beyond uh, COVID, I think we're in, going to be in this virtual world for a long time to come. And so getting better at doing those kinds of presentations, there's many people who are looking for that kind of work that I can help with. Simone, as per normal, um it's lovely talking to you and it's lovely to introduce you to all the people that will be listening. And I hope they've actually gained a lot of uh, insight as to a dimension of their business, which is not often discussed. And mm. I think you've really given a, um, a good sort of grounding and uh, a point of understanding of what that culture should look like um, and what should actually be valued. So, Normally, I think if we were face to face, we'd give one another a hug and then say, see you later. <laughs> but, but we, now we, it's like the elbow bump, isn't yeah, it? We can't, like, yeah, we can't, we can't do that. Or high five. We can do a yeah. high five. <laughs> so, um, but it's been absolutely delightful and always you're an education, um, you know, and you, you definitely make my, my soul uh, smile a lot. So, oh, well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been absolutely delightful having this conversation with you. It's been so wide reaching uh, as well. So hopefully your listeners are like, oh, mind blown by the end of it, eh? <laughs> All right, so what I'll do is I'll just shut this off now and, um, and I'll come back to you. I'll just shut it off. I wish to say thank you for listening to this latest episode from Are We On The Right Track? Listening to Simone Dehaz 
on the soul of a business. If you wish to know more about Right Track New Zealand Limited and its thinking or philosophies and its practices and tools and how they can be of value to your business, please go to bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y backslash right track R-I-T-E-T-R-A-C-K for your free monthly newsletter. Or phone John Barley on 027-289-3162 or look at our website www.righttrack.co.nz or contact me on my email john at righttrack.co.nz I look forward to hearing from you and hopefully we'll be seeing your request for our newsletter. Until next time, bye for now.